This is the FS podcast hosted by Exadel. Exadel are the leading providers of digital transformation, managed services and staff augmentation for the financial markets. Today we're joined by Justin Rowe. Justin is the CMO and founder of Impactable and a amazing LinkedIn influencer. You guys all have to follow him. Um, Justin is here to help us understand what B2B financial services businesses can do to attract more customers using LinkedIn ads. Hi, Justin. Thanks for joining us. Hi, yes. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, let's just start. Why should financial services companies be marketing on LinkedIn? Um, That is a great question. And of course, as running a LinkedIn ads agency, I do probably lean towards that many companies should advertise on LinkedIn. Um, but specifically, financial services is one of the, the verticals that we do see have uh, more success than others. Um, the main reason being that the targeting on LinkedIn is so precise. So you can advertise on other platforms. You can wait for people to be searching for those keywords and terms that show that they're in that mindset to um, to kind of need those services. But with LinkedIn, you can target very specifically and you can get on the radar of people who are most likely to have those needs, which is usually you know high level um, executives, directors at fast growing companies in certain sectors that a have, you know, um, they have money, they have, uh, kind of especially like you can see people that are new in position or getting promoted. There's different pockets that are more likely to have a need for some of these financial services and wealth management than other people. Um, and, having that kind of trust and credibility on LinkedIn as a professional platform usually gets more traction than maybe just being visible on Facebook or TikTok or not to take away from these other platforms. So I'm very multi-platform uh, marketing. I consider myself a generalist, but on LinkedIn, the reputation that you can gain uh, there, I think carries a little more weight with uh, that community than, than other platforms. Uh, so the targeting and then the trust and credibility factor of that platform specifically in the mindset that people come on LinkedIn with, for example, if they log on to Facebook or Twitter or uh, YouTube's a little different because they actually do come with a learning mindset, but people literally log on to LinkedIn with the goal a lot of time of furthering their business or furthering their career or furthering their wealth. So being a visible financial service company on LinkedIn, I think carries a lot more ROI and weight than um, being super visible on other platforms. That's exactly what I found as well when I've done ads for financial services companies internally. Um, okay, let's start at the beginning. What do companies need to have in place before they look to LinkedIn? So I assume they need a website. What else should come first? Yeah, so that, that's a really good question. Like people get, uh, and part of, I think the problem I run into is I get people excited about LinkedIn ads, but then it's like, sometimes they jump the gun and they don't have some of the foundational stuff. And I'll be the first to tell you that LinkedIn is usually not the absolute very first place you should start with uh, your advertising journey. So a good website is pretty foundational because what's the point in running targeted traffic to a website that isn't very mature or doesn't paint you in the best light. The other thing that I would say you probably really want to get in place first is for most financial services, I probably would say that, um, you know, Google being search traffic is probably a good place to start because there's people literally out there searching, you know, financial service provider, wealth management, there's key terms that people are, are out there actively searching for and looking for help right now. It's very bottom of the funnel traffic. 
So I like to start with that search traffic. I would even, you know, look at paid listing sites. Uh, there's probably listing sites of like top wealth management companies and top financial service companies in these different areas. Um, so I would go for the low hanging fruit. And then once I kind of have a good foundation of website and some, some traffic coming to my, to my website that hopefully is already converting, then I know I have a, a process that I can pour some higher quality traffic onto. Because the big thing about LinkedIn is they haven't shown an interest yet. You're getting on the radar of people that are most likely to have a need, but they actually haven't shown an indication that they're actively looking yet. So it's going to take a little more time. It's a little more time and money investment versus someone searching for financial service provider near me that I can talk to today. Like that's, you know, kind of intense. They want something now. Um, so I would say get the foundational stuff, um, have some other traffic. LinkedIn works best if it's not in a silo. LinkedIn works best if it can help retarget the traffic you already have. For example, if people are searching for financial service providers in my state, um, and then you they visit three or four competitors, and then you retarget them for the next 90 days with LinkedIn and cement in their mind that you are the experts in your space and that you're different, then that's a winning combination. But LinkedIn by itself uh, definitely takes a longer time to see an ROI. It can be a little harder. Okay, let's imagine I'm the CMO at a tier one bank targeting small business owners and it's with a new business banking account and I've been given a mandate to double my ad investment. Should I go to LinkedIn? And if so, what should I do to get the most for my money? Um, So a little bit to the first point, I would say first, I would look to shore up that bottom of the funnel traffic. So if there's an, if there's a chance to increase keywords, brand name, or even competitor traffic um, on Google search or Bing, I'd probably explore that first and dig a little deeper into there. And then I would, uh, yeah, I would definitely say that LinkedIn ads has a place in that strategy. Um, and the, the best thing about LinkedIn is how granular you can get with the searches and you can segment. So for example, if I'm that tier one bank targeting small business owners, I can say, I want to target people in these geographic areas. They have a um, company size of 10 to 50 or one to 10 or, you know, whatever that, that niche you're dialing into they're from these industries. And I only want to talk to these relevant decision makers. Um, and then you could segment. So you could have a different campaign for, um, you know, the manufacturing industry, a different one for retail, a different one for restaurants. So then you could have a, an ad campaign that's tailored towards that specific small business niche. Um, or you could lump them together in the initial cold layer, just get on their radar niche out in the retargeting and say, Hey, if they visited my website and showed some interest and they're from, they're a small business in the retail sector, I want to show them this series of ads that lets them know we're confident to work with their industry. Um, and I think that that segmentation is probably, um, one of the superpowers of LinkedIn is cause I can say they visited my website. Maybe it was Google search ads or the paid listing or my SEO or my LinkedIn organic. They visited my website and showed some interest and they're a small business who fits the criteria. They're a decision maker at a small business and they, um, and they're from this sector and I can very specifically qualify them and show them ads relevant to their industry. So I'd say that's, that's probably the best way to, to do it for that bank. Okay. What about if I have a much smaller budget, but a lot more freedom? So for example, let's say I'm the CEO at an up and coming new fintech with an exciting technology that banks need. How should my LinkedIn marketing campaign differ? Um, in that sense, I would still say, so the first part is 
I would go after that bottom of the funnel traffic. So, and I'm, I know it's weird. I'm a LinkedIn ads agency who's really advocating for like search traffic. Um, but I'm a realist that that's, that's really good traffic. It's hard to compete with. And then I would use LinkedIn just as retargeting then. So one of the most cost-effective ways to use LinkedIn ads, the most expensive part of LinkedIn is the cold traffic, getting on someone's initial radar, getting that first click. Um, that's really expensive. So if you have other sources of traffic, uh, if you have the paid listings, if you're doing organic stuff to get website visits, you could just use LinkedIn to qualify that traffic, make sure they're a good fit. Um, with position title, company size, geography, and then just use LinkedIn as a retargeting. Um, and that's probably one of the most uh, cost-effective ways to use that in your ecosystem um, and kind of squeeze more ROI out of everything else you're doing. I've heard you do a lot of tests and trials with your own money. Um, I've heard some pretty big numbers used for ads as well on your LinkedIn. Could you tell us a bit about that and highlight some of the things that have gone well, maybe some of the things that have gone badly? Uh, yeah, and that's partly because I really enjoy marketing and partly because, you know, early on when we were a really scrappy startup, I just couldn't afford to pay for people to manage all my different channels. So I decided to learn on my own and pay for consultants to help along the way and check me. Um, and then I just fell in love with it. I realized that that was what I actually really like. Um, so with our, with, so I actually manage all of our ad channels. I manage our LinkedIn ads, our Google search, our Bing, our programmatic display, CTV. Um, I don't think we're, you probably haven't seen me in your living room because I think it's geography. I think mostly in the United, mostly in the United States and on YouTube we're we're retargeting, but I manage all of that. And yeah, I, I've tried a lot of different experiments. Um, I think we're spending a little over, I think it's about $26,000 a month is our current marketing budget. And it's basically just me managing it and trying crazy things. Like one of the things I tried early on that I really liked was I was getting traction with my LinkedIn organic and I was getting actual inbound leads. So at first I, I was like popular, but I wasn't getting that much like revenue from it. And then I, I started to see a pattern. There were certain posts that I made that literally the next day or the same day we were getting inbound meetings and they're like, oh, I saw one of Justin's posts. And it was always like the same stuff. It was examples of our actual ad spend, experiments I'm running, um, great results we got for a client. So there's a handful of uh, ads or a handful of posts that were getting real inbound leads. So I took that strategy and I started making ads that really mimicked that. It was like our actual numbers. And then I took it a step further and I said, why can't, it would be really nice if I could just use my personal LinkedIn profile and run ads from that, but they don't allow you to do that yet. So what I did was I took a screenshot of my organic post that included the likes and comments and shares. So it looked like, you know, it showed kind of that social proof. And I used that image as an ad for my LinkedIn ads. Um, and it, it worked really well. The cost per click were insane. It was driving inbound requests. And then it became like an evergreen strategy because the the one bad thing about LinkedIn organic is that it's really hard to scale and it's really time consuming to keep up with that level of engagement. So if you take that strategy and you make, and you have the budget to put money behind it, you can make it an evergreen strategy that just keeps uh, refreshing those, you know, key posts on people's feed without you having to do all the legwork. So um, that was, that was probably some of the, the top experiments and some of the companies like Cognizism 
uh, probably butchered their name, uh, stole, uh, not stole. I mean, it's not like proprietary information, but, uh, some of the more popular companies in the demand gen space started using that. And I was very flattered, uh, cause I'm, I'm no, I was the first one to start doing that on LinkedIn. Uh, now it's becoming uh, a little bit of a trendy thing to do. Um, I so I think I am in the wrong geography, but I think I have seen that exact. I know I've seen a LinkedIn <laughs> advert from Impactable, and I think that was that was the one. And I think I've seen another one where it was like not the screenshot, but was describing a tip or something like that, like a way to do yeah. LinkedIn ads, which was cool because it was like a LinkedIn ad about LinkedIn ads and how to do LinkedIn ads, and it was it was fun. Um, yeah, the the screenshot ones you get, but I also do um, CTV retargeting, which is really cool. There's this platform called Stack Adapt, makes it super easy, and you can retarget website visitors on their TV. So they'll be watching um, Hallmark or the news, and and like my little 30 second video will pop up, and it's something like I was just experimenting, so it it wasn't like polished or or like professionally edited it was like me on a loom video and then i'm like showing up in people's like living rooms explaining stuff um so that was that was fun and i still have yet like it's on my list i'll be like okay so this is really cool so now i need to go back and probably like improve the quality because that quality is like a little embarrassing and i don't have my logo on there i don't have the website it's just me like talking about linkedin ads like so probably they know who i am because they were at my website but i still need to go back and like probably polish that up a little bit um but yeah that's another fun one. It's funny, like on the subject of kind of smaller companies like smaller fintechs or or even maybe some of the smaller regional banks, you do get excited when you see them in a place that you don't expect them to be. Like, especially if you've seen them recently on their website and then you see them somewhere else and you're like, oh, like I'm actually excited about this. Yeah. And it's I get excited for well, yeah. And my mom, my mom will text me when she sees me like show up on her TV and then like our staff sees it and one of uh, Carly, she's like, every time you come on YouTube, my son's like, mom, your boss is on TV. And it's kind of nice. But yeah, if you can get if you can get and some of these places aren't that hard, like if you can get your clients that are yeah, these small fintech companies that are growing and you can get them placed in these, they look very prestigious. And it's like programmatic can get you on things like entrepreneur.com and Rolling Stones and Forbes. Um, and you can get placements on ads there for relatively cheap, but um, it's very, very gratifying to see that. It's criminal that you're giving away this advice for free. Um, <laughs> are there any specific types of FS companies, for example, wealth management or lenders, where LinkedIn ads work particularly well? Or is it more the way it's used rather than the subject or audience? Um, I think some of the... Some of the the areas that it has the biggest impact is who you're targeting. For example, there are some like wealth managers that try to target groups that are really hard to reach on LinkedIn. Uh, lawyers are lawyers and engineers, I think are notoriously hard to reach on LinkedIn. So I'm sure a lot of wealth advisors um, might like to have, you know, attorneys and people in the legal profession in their portfolio, but those are really hard to reach. Uh, so it's more about who you're, who you're attempting to reach. If you're a, I do think wealth advisor, um, uh, a lot of them are good because it's oh, who you're targeting. If you're targeting high level C-suites, investors um, at, and I think that's one of the things I love most about targeting for that industry, uh, for financial services or wealth management is because you can target the people that you know have money. Like you can target 
um, you, you target a certain position title or even like, I guess I would go broad. I would say like director and above, but then I would pick company sizes that tell me that people of the director level and above at a company with 200 plus people, like, you know, that their salary is really healthy. And then I would pick industries that, you know, are, are paid decently. Like, you know, I wouldn't, the, the hospitality industry and service industry notoriously, you know, don't pay as much as if you're targeting directors of people in 200 size companies in the software industry, or yeah, even in the, the, the fintech industry and, um, and a lot of these others, they just pay a lot better. So using that kind of targeting, you can ensure that the people in that web are way more likely to need your services, uh, than others. Um, so yeah, that's probably my answer for that. What are some of the risks and downside um, financial services companies should be aware of before using LinkedIn to start marketing? Probably nothing they don't already know. I think one of the things that we run into is there does seem to be a lot of um, red tape around what you can say, uh, what you can't say as far as certain financial companies um, disclosures or what you're allowed to what you're allowed to say you can do or the results you bring. Um, or linking, I don't know, certain verbiage. There seems to be more red tape with getting like copy approved for some of those companies. So if they have, if that's something that they're running to already with other platforms, they're probably familiar with it. Um, but then, yeah, the only other bigger risk is, I guess, two things. There's one, LinkedIn, I, I said it before, but it's worth repeating. LinkedIn works best in an ecosystem. So I get people excited about LinkedIn and the targeting, but the truth is if you don't have a mature website that, sh that shows you in a positive light that looks you know, mature and trustworthy. And if you don't have some of these other marketing pieces um, in place, like some some SEO, some search traffic, you know, you're doing some kind of other organic efforts, um, then LinkedIn ads, you know, pouring money into LinkedIn ads, it could be like pouring money into a leaky ship. You know, there might be too many holes for it to have a dramatic impact. Um, that, and then if you, if you get to granular with who you're targeting. So one of the other dangers with LinkedIn ads is that you can get super, super, super specific and you can make a group that's maybe 15,000, 20,000 um, people big. And it, you run the risk of that group not being very active on LinkedIn, being super uh, high cost per click, and it can be hard to get a, uh, an ROI from there. <laughs> um, for anyone already using LinkedIn ads, what are some of the top quick tips um, of things that many people do get wrong that they should avoid doing? So one of the things I, I see is not making sure that, you know, basics, not making sure your LinkedIn insights tag is properly installed and you're collecting website visitors. I would, that's step one. I probably wouldn't even, I would probably get that set up before you even run ads. That way, if you wanted to, you could just start with retargeting, install the insights tag, and then set up the basic uh, website retargeting groups, 30 day website visitors, 60 day, 90 day, 180 day website visitors, get those set up and just collecting. So you can come back and use those whenever, um, even a couple of months before you think you're ready to run LinkedIn ads that will soften the blow and help you get to a positive ROI faster. Um, a couple of the big settings, you don't want to turn on audience expansion. It basically tells LinkedIn that they can ignore your targeting and, and it basically creates like an ongoing lookalike. Uh, very, very, very common. So don't feel bad. Um, and then I am not a fan of LinkedIn audience network anymore. It used to be decent. 
um, and they sell it to you as if you know you can reach your target audience on trusted third-party websites. But when you when I look at the backend numbers, the bounce rates, and I look at how much of the budget they're shipping onto the audience network, um, I don't I don't like it anymore. They're shipping like ninety five percent of your budget off of LinkedIn. It almost defeats the purpose of advertising on LinkedIn. And then the quality of that traffic is like ninety nine percent bounce. Uh, bounce. So I would say turn off audience expansion, turn off LinkedIn audience network, um, and then look into um, and and then I guess my third tip is um, conversions. So I'm a I'm I'm a hundred percent with the demand gen movement, but I'm also kind of like a spreadsheet nerd. I love to track things. I love data, and so you should tr fight for attribution as much as you can on the channel. And one of my biggest tips is any action that you want them to take on your website, have have it redirect them to a different URL that you can track as a conversion. So if they fill out a form on your website, even down to like, if they click contact us, it maybe it should go to a contact us page because then you can segment out and you can say, okay, they at least visited that page or my pricing page that shows an extra level of interest. You could value it at $1. They actually submit the form. It redirects them to a thank you page, uh, which you can track as a conversion. And then if they actually book a call with HubSpot, Calendly, any kind of modern software, you can set up an advanced setting called URL redirect upon call confirmation, which means no matter what tool you're using, once they book the call, it can send them to a call booked confirmed page on your website, which again can be used as a conversion. And then you can set those up in your ad platform and you can see what ads, what campaigns, what actual creatives led to those conversions. And that's really powerful not just for proving the case for LinkedIn ads, but for letting you know what's working and what's not working. Nice. Um, could you provide us with a quick checklist of your top best practices? Yes, yeah, so uh, in addition to those, uh, so install the insights tag, set up your retargeting audiences, uh, turn off audience expansion, turn off LinkedIn audience network, and set up some of those basic conversions basic ones. So that's actually probably half of it. Some of the other basic ones is with your targeting. Um, you might consider, you might consider using function, job function and seniority versus job titles. One of the reasons is uh, for anyone who's been on LinkedIn a while, you know, job titles are just a free form field. Like you might be the VP of marketing, but they'll might have some crazy title. Like they're the Houdini of leads or they're the magician of marketing. Like, so if you do specific job titles, like it actually might be okay because you're targeting the you're targeting prospects and most of them aren't getting too fancy with their names. Most of them are straightforward. It's mostly the people that are trying to sell stuff that are probably getting fancy with their names. So that might actually not be too terrible. But I like to use uh, seniority and job function instead of uh, job title. So I would say, hey, they're director level and above. Uh, so they're director, VP or C-suite in the job functions of operations or marketing or uh, business development. And the weird thing is business development job function on LinkedIn is actually most of your decision makers. So in real life, the business development is like SDRs, BDRs, like not the people you want to sell to. But in LinkedIn ads targeting, for some reason, uh, founders and CEOs and presidents are considered business development. Uh, so you don't want to exclude that. And then from there, the biggest tip I would say um, is frequency. Frequency is one of my favorite metrics to watch. And it basically means the average number of ads from a campaign that a prospect is seeing in a given period of time. 
So if my 90 day retargeting campaign has a frequency, has a 90 day frequency of 15, it means the average prospect is seeing 15 ads from that campaign. So then I just do what I call frequency matching. If that's a 90 day campaign and the 90 day frequency is 15, I need to have at least 15 ads in that campaign so that throughout that 90 day period of time, they're seeing 15 unique ads. And there's a setting you can change called rotate evenly instead of what's by default, it's uh, optimized for performance. You can set rotate evenly, put 15 plus creatives in there. And then during that 90 day, it's almost like an evergreen strategy. Now they'll see 15 different ads throughout their journey before they age out of it. And then, you know, sure you can swap stuff in and out, but it almost becomes like this evergreen uh, thing, which is really cool to me. The idea of you don't need to keep dumping fresh creatives every month, as long as you're matching that frequency. Um, those are probably my best uh, checklist tips. The job seniority is really good as well when you're doing it internationally because different countries will have different titles that they see as more senior. Like VP, I think in I think it I think it's this way around. Like VP in England is a good one, but VP in America is not as high <laughs> as like VP in England, or maybe it's the other way around, something like that. And like head of, I think yeah. England is higher than head of in America, where yeah. head of is just like manager, but like in England, head of is like yeah. head of something like right up there. <laughs> well and it also depends on the company size i guess too like head of marketing on a company with 20 people might mean completely different than head of with 500 people yes. um you know they, they might really be the head of something whereas yeah people like to you know yeah they do different stuff with their titles exactly um last question if anyone's interested in hearing more how can they follow or connect with you or find out more uh, so if you're interested, our main website is impactable.com. We're of course a LinkedIn ads agency. Um, my most popular places to find me is my LinkedIn, uh, Justin Rowe, R-O-W-E. Usually I'm the first one that would come up in a search if you search for me. And then I'm especially proud of our YouTube channel. So if you go to YouTube and you type in impactable, or hopefully if you type in LinkedIn ads, we'd show up too, but the impactable YouTube channel we have 200 plus videos. I spent the last year kind of pouring into that. It's been one of my favorite side projects. Um, and it's one of the biggest resources right now for LinkedIn ads, kind of educational content, um, and also just B2B marketing. I put a lot of interviews and stuff uh, like that on there. Um, if I get the recording for this, oh, I guess it's not the video, but I would throw it up there too. But uh, those are probably my two best places to uh, find out more. Thanks so much for joining us, Justin. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This was the FS podcast hosted by Exodal. Don't forget to follow us to hear more.